All right, I'm just going to come out and say it. I am probably not going to wish you a happy LinkedIn work anniversary. I don't even think I'm going to endorse your skills on LinkedIn. Because let's face it, LinkedIn by now is a sham. I think it's something we all got very excited about at one time, that it was going to lead us to the promised land of the best job ever, and then we all put up our profiles, and now we get the same spam email years later. I realize, I realize I could unsubscribe, but there's part of me that likes to see the ridiculousness of what LinkedIn needs from me. LinkedIn actually emailed me and said, congratulate Jeremy on three weeks at El Pollo Loco. No. I don't think I'm going to be calling Jeremy to congratulate him on that. It was his three-week work anniversary. You can't invent holidays. There's no such thing. At least three times a day, LinkedIn emails me. Something that doesn't matter. Asking me to update a certain area of my profile. Telling me it's time to interconnect with people. Interact with others. No. I don't think so. It'll be one of those things where eventually I will unsubscribe And then I'll wonder, what happened to all the information I put up there? Like MySpace. I think when I was 20 years old, I was on MySpace. Now I don't remember my username or login or password or any of that. Where did it all go? I'd love to see it. When I was 20 years old, all of that information. What was MySpace? Just photo sharing? And why did it collapse? These are the big questions today, folks. Seriously, I know everybody got on Facebook and now Instagram and soon to be something else in 10, 20 years. But MySpace? What happened? I realize now it's for music sharing, but who's even doing that? Who's sharing music on MySpace? I just need my password from 2005. I need it because I'm interested to see what I was putting up on MySpace. Just party pictures, just getting wild in the foam zone, PB block party, getting sweaty and messy. What could I have possibly been sharing? I wasn't exactly taking photos on my phone, so to put photos up on MySpace back then, I guess with a disposable camera, I would take pictures, party pictures, probably, and then I would print them out at Long's or Payless or Rite Aid or Thrifty, one of the old school places, I'm trying not to say CVS, but I would print them out and then scan them. Would I go to the library and spend 12 cents to scan them and then upload them onto MySpace? That was quite a process. A little different, a little slower. So what are we doing nowadays? The same exact thing, just a little faster. Okay, a lot faster. It's amazing how tech is always improving and making something from 5, 10, 15 years ago look so old. Looks so old. If we were to see the old MySpace layout, how did the homepage look? How did the personal profile pages look? It would look so old. It would make us laugh. It would have that nostalgia to make us say, wow, that was a different time. But it's almost more rapid now. If you saw somebody, and actually I did see somebody with the original iPhone from 2007, would you feel sad for them? Would you go, oh, what a relic. What an artifact. You're using the original iPhone. It's still a smartphone. It still has pretty much all the features, right? The original iPhone, you could take pictures. It had clock radio, my friend. What else? Uh, It could do text messaging, calculator, apps, I assume. And then, of course, Apple designs all of their products to just collapse and become total shit. Product obsolescence. Why don't you study that? Because they know if they gave us the perfect iPhone that actually lasted and lasted, they could do this. They really could. But then we wouldn't chase the next best thing. The greatest version is soon to be released. That's the mindset. Apple wins. 
They win this. They've completely wired the human brain to expect the next best thing will be better than what they have. Even the iPhone I am holding right now, in five years, it's going to look old. I don't know why. It's weird how perspective can change. And that connects to a lot of things, not just tech. But next time you're on the highway, just take a look at a car from the 80s when you see a Volvo. You remember those Volvos that look like a stick of butter? Very tinny, very boxy, really ugly. It'll probably be taupe. You'll see one on the highway in the next week or two and just say to yourself, that was new at some point. I remember once looking in a National Geographic magazine and it was from the 80s, but it had car ads throughout. And I was thinking, oh, wow, these cars were being advertised as new cars because humans looked at these and didn't know that they would soon look really ugly and old. I know it's an obvious statement, but think of that. What happens in our mind as society advances and tech advances, vehicles advance, even homes right now doing the home hunt. If there was a home built in the fifties and they're now selling, let's just say people grew old in their house and they're now selling and you take a look and they didn't do anything like no renovations. It's just that weird tile in the bathroom, the weird tile for mica in the kitchen, the shag carpet, just everything wood, wood paneling, wood siding, wood, 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 wood was so in, I guess, just brown, crap wood all over the place you would be disgusted you'd be nauseous but in the 50s that was probably so beautiful so cool to see these single family suburban homes with all that ugly shag carpet and those colors that don't look great and just a chandelier that makes you sick so nowadays all the renovations you see on a house or a condo a townhome It looks so posh, so sleek, so chic, so new, but in 40 years, it's going to look so ugly. It's weird to think about. Just right now, think about anything that looks old, the old model of anything, any TV before flat screen TVs. They look terrible to us, right? But you rewind time a little bit and realize when those TVs came out, when people went to get those TVs at Sears, they looked as cool as a new sleek iPhone to the humans viewing those old bubble TVs where you would have to walk to the TV, even before remote controls, you would have to walk to the TV to change the channel. Those look so new and they were so cool. Video game graphics, go play the original Nintendo with Zelda and Duck Hunt and Mario Brothers and Contra and Paperboy and Kung Fu, swipe that leg, and Mega Man and Double Dragon. Those graphics to me in fifth grade were so innovative. They were so revolutionary. We're playing video games. We're controlling what's going on with our controllers. All right, clearly I don't play video games anymore because I can't even find the right terminology to describe it. But what Nintendo looked like to me back then was wonderful. Now people would look at it and go, oh God, because the graphics right now, it's not even video games. You're just operating humans at this point. The graphics are too good. Gone are the days of Pong. But where we are right now, 2018, I want it to plateau. I I really do. It keeps ascending and ascending and ascending and growing and growing and growing and making us feel like all of the things we have are old. And after a half a year, it's older. And then after a full year, you're embarrassed to own it. We got to plateau a little bit. Sadly, we're not going to. Think about Silicon Valley right now. If every employee came into work tomorrow and they just said, you know what? I'm good today. I think what we did last week, it's good enough. They'd be fired. They're thinkers. They're visionaries. 
They always want the next best thing. What's the next best thing? What can we add to the iPhone? What can we add to a social media platform? What can we do that's new, 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 and make people feel like what they have is old, old, old? Seriously, how fast can we invent right now? How fast are we creating? These hipsters, these texters in the Bay Area, when they go to their jobs in Silicon Valley, and they're all working on something. They're all working on something. They're all working on something toward something. When can they just say, all right, you know what? We're out of ideas. We've created everything. We can now FaceTime. We can do everything on these phones. I can't think, here's why I don't work in Silicon Valley. Here's reason number one billion. There's a lot of reasons. I can't think of anything that my phone lacks. I don't ever look at my iPhone and go, oh, if it only had this. It has way more things than I need. Way more things than I want. I have it. I'm fully addicted just like everybody else. I wish I wasn't. But I'm just getting carried away in the current right now. I'm just one of the sheep. And I assume it's good that I'm old enough to look back and say, wow, it didn't used to be this way. The way we communicated, the way we used to interact, it was a little more personal and personable. Because now when I see students, and I know I'm more than 20 years older than my students, but when I see them sharing their lives by taking a little video that fades away, and it's not an exciting video, and then a crowd of students crowd around a phone and look and giggle, and that's how they're sharing their lives, it's kind of off-putting, I'll be honest, it's kind of off-putting, too much screen time, even if you're not on social media, too much screen time right now, gotta just walk around outside, do it, this is me getting preachy, do it, go do it. Walk around outside. Listen to the wind in the trees. Listen for the birds. Take a look at a cloud. Watch the cloud move through the sky. Focus on your breath in and out. I want you to really focus on the path of the breath in and follow that breath through your nose into your diaphragm. Diaphragm. And out your nose. Okay, and just be centered right now. No thoughts of the past no thoughts of the future, just right now. And as I said that, your phone probably buzzed and you looked at it, or you're checking your fantasy football score, or you're receiving a text or sending a text, or LinkedIn wants you to wish somebody a happy work anniversary, which doesn't really exist, but they invented it. Or Instagram wants you to click like, or Facebook wants you to click like, or Twitter, they want you to click like, or Snapchat, they want you to click like. Join this group, join that group. And now you've lost all the minutes in your day because you didn't look up. This sounds overly cynical, right? I guess I'll just accept reality. That's the key to life. Accept, accept, accept. And that leads me to my next topic. Actually, the topic I meant to talk about. Acceptance when it comes to hip-hop. The first two musical guests on Saturday Night Live this year, I don't get it. I'm not going to even say I don't like the music. That's too obvious. I'm going to say I'm now confused. I'm confused by rap. Because I like rap. I genuinely like rap music. So shouldn't that bond me to the younger generation that also claims to like rap? The same genre, genre. So Saturday Night Live opens, season premiere, host Adam Driver. I kind of like him from the hit show Girls. And I've never seen Star Wars, any of the Star Wars, but I know he's more famous for that. And then the musical guest was Kanye West. And Kanye, I know. He's viewed as a great producer of music. Maybe even some would say he's a fantastic lyricist. However, his performances on SNL were so brutal, it didn't even sound like it should be categorized as rap or hip-hop. Just talking and whining and grunting beat terrible. And then bringing on a hype man to just say every fifth word, 
or mumble some things into the mic with all of your face tattoos and neck tattoos. And boy, do you look rugged. None of that is totally necessary. How about a little effort? And then his second song was even worse. And I felt like, okay, we're being trolled. Maybe Kanye's just fucking with us. Maybe he knows deep down this is not rap. I'm just mailing it in. He's nuts. And then the last song, come on with that. That's what made news, is that the last song he just paused, told the entire cast to come on stage. And this is the part of the show where Adam Driver or the host is supposed to say goodbye to everybody. Thanks to Lauren. Thanks to the cast. It's been the greatest week of my life. All right, kids, go to sleep. Love your wife. But instead, Kanye takes the moment from Adam Driver, and then he takes the moment from everybody else and starts to preach about Donald Trump and supporting Trump and how he got bullied for wearing the Make America Great Again hat. And at that point, I realized, okay, this could be very upsetting because I disagree with everything I'm hearing and I hate his rap and I'm pretty sure I'd hate him and I was just getting filled with anger. And then I realized, hold on, hold on. This is the big thought. If I wanted everybody to think the same way I thought, if that was my goal, then this would not be America. The big idea for this to be a democratic country with freedoms and rights, for this to be America, I need to not only be okay with seeing people like Kanye or anybody on the other end of the spectrum of my beliefs, I need to embrace that. Embrace is different than liking something. I need to embrace the fact that throughout the life I'm living, I'm going to hear opposing thoughts, ideologies that differ from mine, that conflict with my beliefs. And instead of saying, damn, I wish they thought the way I did, I have to say, you know what? That's what makes this country good in a weird way. Even if their beliefs sicken me, disgust me then I have to say that's, that's fine because that's what we've got going on in this country. Freedoms. If we had uniform thought, wouldn't that mean it's being dictated from somewhere? Because the human condition is not to just think like everybody else. We're all independent. The intellectual revolutions we can create, we can think for ourselves. We're not being guided by the hand of God. Or most of us aren't, I assume. More secular, individualistic. All those things are great. You know, it's what makes us a bunch of Americans. We all come into this country, no matter how we got here, and we are allowed to have our own personal beliefs. So I'm going to go the rest of my life disagreeing with a bunch of people, including a guy like Kanye. I'll never understand his fame, and that's okay. And then a week later, this guy, Travis Scott, a lot of my students like him, he is another rapper. To me, his performances were unwatchable, unlistenable. I don't even get it. The beat was terrible. The synthesized voice. It was confusing, though. I don't want to say I was so upset. I don't want to say it was bad. I, I want to backtrack. I want to retract those statements. I'm just confused now. Because my relationship with rap, I know it would sound hokey to a lot of people to think, all right, yeah, I go back to Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer. Of course, that sounds ridiculous. Run DMC actually still sounds good. Sugar Hill Gang still sounds good, but it sounds old. It sounds old school. Fast forward a little bit from the ice T to the ice cube to Snoop and Dre to Biggie and Tupac. That sounds good. And now there's a station, 102.1 FM in the Bay Area. I listen on my drive in the morning. I heard Bone Thugs in Harmony. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's the first. And I loved it. And I go, that's just it. This pocket of time where I formed my love for hip hop and rap, that's always going to sound the best to me. Always. There's nothing else happening. I'm 37 years old. There's nothing else coming my way in the world of rap that's ever going to sound as good as that stuff. Or even sound good, period. Let's be honest. It's going in a direction that 
sounds like a different genre to me. I don't even connect it to the rap that I like to listen to. And I know there's still underground artists who are putting out some good music, but I'm talking about mainstream radio rap nowadays. Mainstream is so confusing. That's the word, confusing. Quite simply, I can't believe it's become this bad. So I'm confused about that. There you go. I will say Saturday Night Live has been pretty good, though. Solid B, solid B plus season. Usually a D minus at this point. Usually I give up. But my wife and I, even watching the first couple of episodes, kind of went, all right, this piques our interest a little bit. Perhaps they got some new writers, because it's not like the cast members are new, but the skits are a little better. A little better so far. They don't have a heavy hitter on the cast, but they also don't have anybody that's terrible. Even Pete Davidson was okay in the last episode. Usually I can't stand him, but he was good on Weekend Update. Melissa Villasenor, not really a fan of hers, so I'd give her maybe the old C-minus grade because we got to use grades, but everybody else on the cast is like a solid B+. Beck Bennett's pretty good. Alex Moffat's pretty good. Mikey Day's pretty good. Kyle Mooney's pretty good. A.D. Bryant's pretty good. Cecily Strong might be an A-minus. Kate McKinnon, there's an A-minus. So here we go. You know, this is gold honor roll. This is 3.5 GPA. It's not incredible. Like the early 90s with Farley and Sandler and Spade and Carvey and Myers and Rock and Nealon and Schneider. Holy shit, they had a cast. But what's going on right now is okay. It's very meta, actually. They do a lot of things about themselves. I think Saturday Night Live, it's full of itself, but that's okay. Deserves it. It's an institution. The other premiere I saw was South Park. You realize South Park's been on since I think I was a freshman or sophomore in high school? It's still on. So these guys, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they are geniuses. They really are. And there was a little documentary about how they create the cartoon the week prior to the episode, how they have to deal with the censors, the illustrators, and also create content that's so relevant, perhaps newsworthy. Doing that with a live person show would be a challenge. But when you're doing it with cartoons, and these guys are working hard. And to make it funny and poignant yet still make people think, I think that's the point. And a lot of it might be considered gross-out humor, but it's also the type of humor that you can't just take on the surface. Case in point, the season premiere was about school shootings, and that is obviously a heavy topic, a sad topic, an atrocious topic that we even have this topic in our country, school shootings. And the point of the episode, I didn't get it first because I was, you know, appalled. I could actually use that word. I was appalled with South Park. The first 15 minutes, I was thinking, how could this be a storyline? The fact that there's school shootings every day at their elementary school, but everybody just goes about their business. They're now immune to it. They're desensitized to the drama. You know, they just go about their business. And I thought, that's a cheap laugh. But they were bringing up the bigger point. Are we becoming numb to this? You know, when everybody just tweets thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, it doesn't do anything legislation doesn't change. So I thought, all right. And my wife brought this up. She has more depth, apparently, when it comes to analyzing cartoons. She said, actually, the fact that you are upset watching them make fun of this, that's the point. That's the point. So it wasn't laugh out loud. Actually, it was the opposite of laughter. It was frown TV. And then the one woman, I forget, Kyle's mom, maybe, Stan's mom, who was saying, how could we just overlook this? Why aren't we still outraged with every school shooting? Because it happens so often, we're becoming numb to it. And this cartoon character, Stan's mom, Kyle's mom, I forget. But her husband, Randy Marsh. Okay, so it was Stan Marsh. Yeah, his mom. 
She was accused of, you know, having PMS oh, that time of the month. And that's upsetting, too. They were poking fun at the fact that a lot of older men, this isn't teens we're talking about, but older men are threatened by women who are saying something. And it's easy to be dismissive and say, oh, that time of the month. But there's nothing more infuriating, infuriating, having trouble with this word, infuriating, infuriating. Help me, help me. And that was the other subplot to South Park is that, you know what? It's time to just stop saying that altogether because both men and women are emotional. But if a woman gets emotional, there's that double standard that, oh, what's wrong with her? So both storylines seemed upsetting, but they were kind of shedding light on something that probably should be addressed. Definitely should be addressed. I don't even know if I explained it well enough, but these guys, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, they know what they're doing. I'm not sure I'm in the demographic anymore. I'm not sure I'm going to continue. I used to love it, I think. I don't watch The Simpsons anymore. I think that's still on. I kind of fall off. Even Family Guy, I kind of fall off with the adult cartoons. I kind of fall off. Nobody asked. All right, keep moving. Uh, Famous actors. You know these people? I like when they're interviewed. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And I like when they're interviewed and when they refer back to one of their movies. They always have to use the word called. Yeah, I was doing a movie called, like Demi Moore. See, I once did a movie called Striptease. And in this movie... They make it sound so serious. Look, these movies are released to millions of people. We know the movies. I know it's a weird thing to be annoyed by, but like Seth Rogen, he's being interviewed. He goes, I I once did a movie called Knocked Up. And in this film, just say I was in Knocked Up. Makes sense? Does anybody kind of agree with that? Why do they always have to refer to their movies as called before they give us the title of the movie? Lindsay Lohan interviewed. I heard her say, well, when I did a movie, I'm not sure many people know about it, called Mean Girls. Yeah, Lindsay, that's the only reason anybody knows you. I'm not even sure why I wrote that down. Is it annoying or meaningless? Who knows? The other thing that might be annoying or meaningless is how often do people get introduced to little kids as uncle or aunt When they're not blood-related, we lie to a lot of infants and toddlers. Hey, say hello to Uncle Curtis. Curtis is just a neighbor who you just met. I get it with close, close friends. If my close friends introduce me as Uncle Josh to their kids, it's cute, it's endearing. But I ran into somebody at Kohl's recently, and they were with their little girl, and they said, hey, this is Uncle Josh. I hadn't seen this person in 20 years. Uncle Josh? Let's ease off the uh, familial relations. No, not Uncle Josh. It's that cutesy way of introducing you to little kids. Oh, this is Aunt Pearl. This is Aunt Lizzie. We went to middle school together. No, it's just Lizzie. Maybe you could say this is our friend. But when did it start where we go, this is uncle to people we're not aunts or uncles of? How did we pick that? Why not cousin? And if we're just lying, why don't we say, this is grandpa. This is grandma. Hey, hey, look who it is. Uncle Josh is here. I'm like, I've seen you twice in the last five years. Why am I getting the nickname uncle to your kids? Hi, good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Anybody looking for a home and you fall in love with it? And then you see the disclosures. They email you the disclosures and you realize, okay, that place is clearly haunted, full of fungus and mold. And every room should probably be taken down to the ground and rebuilt. Yeah, does that happen? It's called lipstick on a pig. 
You go to the open house, everything looks shiny and nice. They put out the cookies, they cleaned everything, they staged it perfectly. And you're like, I'm interested. Yeah, send over the disclosures. That'd be nice. Sure, I'd like to see what's going on with this house. And then 10 pages later, you're like, yeah, I can't live there. I feel like that's every house. I'm at the point where I think I'm just going to get a really durable tent at Big Five and just live under the highway. Why not? Why not? And maybe the news will pick up on that. Maybe the local news will say a local teacher living in a durable tent under the highway. And he still goes and teaches every day, but maybe it's time to pay these people a little more. Huh? Now I'm just complaining. All right, that'll do it. This was episode 35, 35. Leave a review if you want. I'm rusty. I feel like there was too much time between podcasts and I wasn't even surly. That shouldn't be the theme of the podcast to just complain about a bunch of shit, should it? I think not. I think not. Got a big old rump roast in the slow cooker, so it's time to eat. Love you all. Check out my book, won't you? Suddenly Facing Reality on Amazon. Follow me on Twitter, if you like, at jrosenberg957. I'll follow you back, most likely. Have yourselves a merry little LinkedIn work anniversary. Adios, episode 35. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.